It's time. It's exactly a quarter past 12 because we're about to say hi to a very precise man. And I want to invite you to join us on Facebook Live because, as always, it's Marshy Movie Time. James, good day. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm, you know, all right. <laughs> well, that's great. Yes, yeah, same, I suppose, you know. Doing as best we can is what we've got. Absolutely. What's going on uh, in the... Firstly, really good this week or... Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of both, actually. There's some really good stuff, and there's some really bad stuff. I don't want your ego actually. to take a massive denting, but that beautiful microphone you have in front of you is not, in fact, the one that's picking up your voice. Now, don't freak. I don't want to give you OCD about it, because your earbuds are lovely. Just saying. Oh, really? <laughs> don't worry. It's fine. fine. Yeah, what's happening, anyway? OK, well, we finally have, in Hong Kong, uh, the release of um, Another Round which is now the Oscar-winning Another Round. It was my favourite film of last year and is now uh, the best international film Oscar winner. Uh, that is from Denmark, starring Mads Mikkelsen. We also have Angelina Jolie's first new sort of action thriller in about a decade, mm -hmm. called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Uh, we also have Japanese food movie, because there's have, always plenty of got, those. Got to have that, really, haven't you? got to have one of those yeah. and then there is a uh, a strange sort of amalgam of sort of chinese korean taiwanese uh filmmaking called home sweet home which we might get to as well all right that obviously isn't top of the list then is it <laughs> it's it's it should not be anybody's top priority i'll say that right now yeah all right then start so, where you will uh, Okay, well, let's start with another round, which is something that we have spoken about in the past, and uh, but it is now finally out oh. as of yesterday in, Ho in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, properly, properly, finally, finally. Uh, so yeah, fans of the show um, will hopefully remember that this was my favourite film of 2020. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see it last year at uh, the Macau International Film uh, Film Festival in Macau, right. and. Um, it immediately resonated with me. It's the story of... <laughs> Another round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the Danish title, it is a film from Denmark, the yeah, Danish yeah, yeah. title is, is Druk, which I believe is just translated as drunk. Drunk, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I think they should have stuck with, to be honest. I mean, Another Round, sure, yeah, right, I get it, it works, but, uh, but they should have just gone with drunk. Um, it's the story of four middle-aged high school teachers in Copenhagen who hatch on this idea that they've read from, I think it was a Norwegian philosopher said that we would all work, function a little bit better if we had a little bit more alcohol in our bloodstream at all times. Right. That there was a sweet spot of about 0.05% uh, where everybody would just sort of operate a little bit better. You know, their mood would be lifted. <laughs> you had to uh, go their and efficiency. ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if they were able to sort of maintain that, then, um, you know, it, it would be a marked improvement with no discernible side effects. So these right. four guys who are, who are all sort of stuck in their various ruts of just middle age and family life and marriage and all the rest of it and work is particularly not necessarily going the way they want it to. They mm. just say, OK, let's do this. Uh, the most reluctant is Mads Mikkelsen's character because he's on the wagon anyway, Martin. But he, he is, he's, you know, let's be honest, he's quite easily persuaded, and they go for it. 
And as one might suspect, you know, things start off great and everybody's having a fun time and they're really sort of embracing life with a new sense of um, purpose and enjoyment and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But very, very quickly, uh, things start to sort of slide. You know, they start to experiment with a little bit more alcohol to push the envelope a little bit further. And it starts encroaching into their sort of professional and personal lives in uh, well, unforeseen to them ways, but uh, wholly foreseen to uh, to the audience. One suspects. Now, <clears throat> what works best with this film is just it's at the film's attitude towards alcohol, towards drinking, and the culture of drinking. Uh, you know, there's already talk of this film being remade in the US and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is is sort of attached or has optioned it or, or whatever. You know, this came out last week in the wake of the Oscar win. Um, but, and I think, you know, fine. If, that's what, if they're going to go ahead and do that, fine, they're going to go ahead and do it. But I think there is a crucial element of what makes this film work so well that I think is sort of inherently missing mm. from... Um, from sort of American culture, I I think that at, you're you're, a, you're an Englishman. I'm an Englishman, and I think there is a European sensibility or attitude towards drinking. Yeah, that is different to how it is in some other parts of the world. Oh yeah, in, go on. In America, particularly. Oh, um, I think it's so ingrained. The, just the idea of drinking and drinking to excess, and everybody recognizing well that's a bad thing, but it's also okay sometimes. And it's also fun sometimes. And it's also the right thing to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And even though we know that deep down it's bad for you in the long term, physically and emotionally and whatever, it's still okay in a number of certain situations. And there is a long history of, uh, of drink and drinking and alcohol, in particular alcoholic drinks, uh, just being part of the culture and part of the national identity, I think, in a way that does, does exist in... Denmark does uh, exist certainly in the UK, but I don't think does exist in quite the same way in the US. Hmm. Uh, what this film does, to its great credit, is it recognises and acknowledges all of those things. Yes. What it, I mean, th- these are, like I said, high school teachers, so they're surrounded by teenagers. Uh, many of whom are sort of in the in their final year and are close to graduating, and there is an event that the school seems to sort of support, if not out and out condone, mm-hmm. which is kind of a drinking race round this uh, lake where they have to sort of run round, drink a beer. It's kind of like a beer drinking relay, and it's followed by a parade around around the town, all the students drinking, and I think it's tied in with their graduation. But this is seen very much as an acceptable kind of celebration and rite of passage for all of these teenagers right. in a way, again, that in some parts of the world that would just be, you know, not condonable behaviour in any way. Um, and I think this, is, this was what really sort of resonated with me, is that I think if this subject was handled... Uh, different, differently, it would just be seen as uh, you know the demonising effects of alcohol mm-hmm. and how it's a slippery slope and it and it all leads to wreck and ruin and it's gonna you know it's gonna break up families and it's gonna you're gonna lose your jobs and it's gonna ultimately lead to, lead to your untimely death and it's all your fault yeah. and you're gonna be sitting alone quietly in the dark with a bottle of whiskey just chugging it back in a way that I don't think people really actually drink, you know. I think even people who sort of drink to excess do so do so socially. 
you know, do so well, with, they drink with to other people. Socially. Excess. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I think it's very much part of um, of the story here is the camaraderie and the sort of between these four friends mm. and yeah, the, and the peer pressure to a degree, but also that's it's what brings them together and it's what keeps them together. It's how they socialize, and I think all of those elements are very honestly and openly discussed, just without any degree of cynicism or preaching or you know it's it's not really a um it's fun what's a cautionary tale so much as it is just going yeah because this is yes it's fun and i think you've struck on it exactly there that despite uh hangovers being absolutely awful (laughs) despite you know too drinking too much will uh cost you a lot of money and it'll cost you your health and it might cost you you know your job and your marriage and all the rest of it people still go out and drink and it's not simply because they're addicted to the drug of alcohol it's just because it's a way of it's kind of like a way of life it's part of your identity and it's well, still fun half of europe can't drink its own water so why do you think they have wine for breakfast yeah well exactly and i think this is what the f- film celebrates is the fact that yeah we all know that drinking's bad for you, but it, we all, but it's also really good fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hold on a second here. I just want to just say hi to Steve, who's joined us on uh, Facebook Live. He said, I'm going to see another round this week and resisted watching it on my laptop to see it at the cinema based on your recommendation. Cheers to that, eh? Fan- yeah, exactly. Skoll. Uh, that is uh, that is great news. Um, seeing it with an audience is the, be- is the best way to see a film like this because it's a film about you know, a communal experience. I wonder if in a different sort of time, meaning no COVID and stuff, if, if somewhere in the world cinemas would have done a special, you know, extra booze promotion and everybody's got a tinny going and stuff. Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure there is a brilliant drinking game to be played, which is to drink what they drink when they drink it. Brilliant. <laughs> Whistnail and I. Have you ever done the Whistnail? Yeah, exactly that. I think no one's going to worry No, because it was... The it lighter was fluid thing, that, that always puts a spoke in my wheels. Anyway, yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's what I loved about it. I, I was talking to, uh, what, what was funny is, yeah, so it's, it's great and it's brilliant and, uh, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is superb and the director, Thomas Vinterberg, is, is wonderful. I uh, gave a very heartfelt speech at the Oscars when he won, uh, dedicated it to his, uh, to his daughter who uh, was going to be in the film and she died in a car accident like just four days into filming or whatever. And so the film is dedicated to her and uh, so was his speech and so was his Oscar. Um, I was talking to my sister the other day who actually lives in Denmark mm-hmm. and she was saying that it was it was a, a sort of day of national celebration when it won and uh, they thought that uh, all the wrongs had been corrected because they felt they'd been cheated out of a number of the other awards like the Golden Globe and what have you because uh, in those cases the American Korean language film Minari had qualified and had won. Yeah. And they felt uh, there was a lot of resentment, apparently, in Denmark about the fact that this American film had won Best Foreign Film at the, um, I think it won at the, definitely at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Because it's not foreign, because it's it's American. And so here they really felt that, uh, so obviously at the Oscars, Minari couldn't qualify because it is American, even though it is in a foreign language. And so they felt that justice had been served. (laughs) And uh, I think, I think the film has been sort of wholeheartedly embraced as... Uh, you know, recognizing their culture and recognizing how uh, intrinsically 
interlinked uh, alcohol is with their national identity. How many titles does this have? Hi to Tommy, who says, is James talking about... Oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. He's talking. Have you just put your foot in it? No, 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 not at all. He says, is James talking about us three, meaning actual people? Clink, chink. No, oh. no, no. I was, I was going to say, how many titles does this film have? Duh. My bad. <laughs> Look, don't join us on uh, Facebook yeah. Live, Tommy, all right? <laughs> as far as I know, it only has two titles. The original Danish title, Druk. Druk. Which is translated as drunk. Yep. And I think when it first played at Cannes, gosh... Uh, last year, it was a while ago. Yes, or was or was selected for can at the at the can that never happened last year. Uh, it it was screened as Druk, uh, but has since adopted the international title Another Round. Okay, brilliant, super duper. So we love and, and I love it. We love that one. <laughs> I tell you what, we've got three or four minutes before the news, so let's crack on. Uh, okay, well let's do uh, let's stay on the kind of Oscar vibe albeit very tenuously, uh, because there's a film called Home Sweet Home, which is uh, stars Aaron Kwok, and it's kind of a mainland production, but the cast are from Hong Kong and from Thaila Taiwan, and it looks like it was, I believe, largely shot in Korea. Right. Now, it was only a matter of time before the, um, the parasite copycats started emerging, and this, at least, you know, in its opening... Uh, Act is very closely sort of uh, reminiscent of the, the Bong Joon Ho masterpiece. Uh, essentially, what the story is is there's a bus crash, a school bus crashes. The only survivors are the driver and one young boy who mm -hmm. is the son of a of a very wealthy man, is Mr. Wang, played by Aaron Kwok, played by Aaron Kwok. Um, the driver manages to save the boy, take him to the hospital, only to collapse. He wakes up and he is now a guest of Mr. Wang and his um, privileged yet rather strange family. He's been put up in the basement apartment there uh, and he's been there for quite some time and they are looking to sort of repay their debts to him for saving their son's life. Okay. Although it quickly becomes apparent that all is not what it seems because Mr. Wang is actually... Um, aware of the fact that his son may in some way be responsible for the accident that has killed a whole busload of children. Right. And, and so he, he's almost keeping the driver prisoner uh, in order to sort of coax him into taking the blame. Now, there's, there's a lot more kind of going on. Um, and the problem with talking about the film is that when... That it's, it's a film that, you know, has big sort of twists and turns. And when everything is revealed... You think to yourself, that's actually not a bad idea. That's actually a fairly interesting kind of premise. However, it's not the premise, it's the twist. And so you can't really talk about it. And I think the film might have actually worked better if instead of making it a twist, they'd just run with that as the as the main uh, forward dr drive of the narrative. Yeah. In, as it is, uh, you get this very hokey story where it creates mystery simply by not telling you anything. Talking and of so mystery, James, let's put the brakes on for a couple of minutes because it's nearly okay. time for uh, the news. So join us on Facebook Live. What are you going to be talking about after the news if people want to chip in and say it's great or whatever? OK, the big one is those who wish me dead. Those. Uh, and then also we can talk about food luck. All right, quickie one here. Uh, Rachel Louise, I don't always get a chance to listen to your movie feature. Have you talked about the Maur Mauritanian yet? She says Mauritanian. Uh, 
Does she mean Mauritian? A little bit, but it's out in Hong Kong in a couple of weeks, and so we'll cover it. She really liked it anyway, so let's get back onto that one. Very nearly time for the news, so let's do this thing. Right, before we move on, Mauritanian, we're going to get back to it? Uh, It's coming out in a couple of weeks, so we'll talk about it properly then. Uh, I have seen it, we have touched on it. uh, Thank you, Rachel, lovely to hear from you. Wonderful. All right, Facebook Live is where we're at. If you're a movie fan or you've got some comments, join in, say anything you like, within reason. What have you got now? Okay, so just to wrap up quickly, Home Sweet Home, um, it attempts to create an air of mystery simply by just not not telling you anything, uh, by having scenes cut off when characters ask each other questions without waiting for the answers. And that's not how you create suspense. It just it just gets frustrating and it just gets um, very silly very quickly. And in the end, uh, it's just a shame because I think if they'd run with the twist, kind of turned the plot inside out and actually told it from from back to front, uh, they might have been onto something far more interesting. As is, they just hold everything back to the end and it leads to sort of by the, by that stage, you don't care. All right, couple so, of weeks, we'll be back to that. No, that's out now. Feel free to get on with it. You've confused yourself now. No, I haven't. That's Home Sweet Home. That's out now. Back in a couple of weeks with Mauritanian. Well, I'm young. Carry on. Okay. It's all right. I get it. I get it. It's been a long day. Um, Okay, so the the big film that's out this week is called Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is the new thriller from Taylor Sheridan, uh, who wrote... Sicario and Hell or High Water. He directed Wind River. He also wrote Without Remorse, the Michael B. Jordan film that's on Amazon right now. Uh-huh. Uh, adaptation of, of the Tom Clancy kind of rain, uh, uh, Tom Clancy novel. It's kind of launching the Rainbow Six franchise. Right. Uh, but enough about that one. Um, Those who wish me dead. Uh, is not out in uh, anywhere, and uh, like it's not out in the US yet until I think next week, where it's one of these Warner Brothers movies that's coming out on HBO as well. So we're actually quite lucky; we've actually got this a week or so early. Mm. And it stars Angelina Jolie, who we haven't seen fronting sort of a big action movie like this uh, for about ten years since like Salt or One. Salt was wicked, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the interesting thing about Salt is that was originally written for Tom Cruise, <laughs> and then he passed on it, and Angelina Jolie said, can we make her a woman? And they did, and it was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and obviously she came up doing Tomb Raider and Wanted and films like that, so she has a background in sort of physical action, uh, but she just hasn't done it for a while. You know, she, we know that she's had um, various issues of one kind and another for the last few years, and she's been directing and what have you. So, anyway, this is the story of a young boy who is on the run from a pair of particularly nasty professional assassins mm-hmm. uh, who are, t- you know, who have murdered his father and are tying up loose ends, and they chase him into the Montanan wilderness, where he crosses paths with Angelina Jolie's character, Hannah, who is a smoke jumper, which is one of these sort of specialist firefighters who parachute into high-risk areas where traditional firefighters can't get in order to tackle sort of forest fires and what have you. She is suffering from some personal demons after failing to protect the lives of some young children in a fire about a year ago Mm -hmm. and she has now been put on not on leave but she is now sort of placed on in a remote sort of lookout tower on her own away from the action and away from her team you know just some quiet time if you like they they cross paths uh in order to try and flush the kid out of the forest these two hitmen played by nicholas holt and aiden gillen they start a forest fire in order to try and flush him out and so you've got this raging forest fire you've got the these two killers you've got 
a, a woman who needs some redemption and a young boy who's just lost his entire family who needs a guide out of this horrible situation. Okay. And you've got, you've got this whole local community tied up and their law enforcement and all the rest of it. So, uh, you know, Taylor Sheridan, Sheridan, like I said, he has sort of carved out this niche for him, making sort of moody, uh, world-weary kind of thrillers, uh, neo-westerns, this kind of stuff. And a lot of the, these films have very strong, resilient female characters. Remember Sicario, one mm. of the best things about that film was Emily Blunt's character, who's, you know, sort of a strong, capable woman who is nevertheless thrown into a very uh, sort of macho, testosterone-fueled, pretty violent world. And that is very much the case here. You know, we're established very quickly that Hannah, Angelina Joe's character, can hold her own. She's definitely one of the boys in that regard. You know, she's actually the captain of this all-male team of smoke jumpers. Um, but uh, nevertheless, she is up against some incredibly sort of violent people. Uh, Aidan Gillen and Nicholas Holt's uh, assassins are one of the best things in the film, actually. You know, they are, you know, obviously sociopathic, psychopathic to some degree because they are no-nonsense, you know, kill, 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 kill until their goal is accomplished. But what I liked about them is that they are always... They always just have the attitude of we're professionals, we're doing a job, and even when things start to go wrong, they're all about well, we've just got to get the job done, get the job right. It's not about oh, then it's not like they're particularly sadistic or they enjoy necessarily all the murder that they're committing, and it's quite a pleasant change to see sort of proficient uh, hitmen who aren't. Uh, so sadists, you know, they're just very competent professionals with almost clinical, and, and that was sort of nice and refreshing. Now, in, also in a lot of Taylor Sheridan's films, uh, Mother Nature plays a very big part, you know, whether it's those sort of US-Mexico borderlands of Sicario or whether it's sort of the, the Texas prairies of Hell or High Water or the Wyoming, snowy Wyoming Indian reservations of Wind River, his films always put a huge emphasis on sort of how how um, how nature doesn't care about all the petty squabbles of these humans running around and will ultimately uh, just sort of wash over them and will win out in yep. the end. And so here you've got these beautiful Montanan mountains, forests, and then forest fires. It looks absolutely gorgeous. So it's a shame that this is a film that's uh, being released simultaneously on HBO Max in the US because it definitely is a big screen movie. It's, it's a pretty sort of epic spectacle, purely just you know, for the, for the scenery, if nothing else. You've got a great supporting cast here, including uh, John Bernthal, who pops up in a lot of Taylor Sheridan's work. People know John Bernthal because he played the Punisher in the Netflix series. Uh, he here plays like the local deputy, who is also Hannah's kind of former flame. Uh, no pun intended. Oh. And, uh, but it's, it's a larger role than we're used to seeing him. He often plays these characters who show up for one scene and then die. But here he's got a substantially larger role. And his, his wife... In the, uh, in the in this film is played by Medina Senghor Senghore, I think that's how you pronounce her name uh, who is this sort of heavily pregnant African American woman uh, sort of shotgun toting beer spray spraying uh, very capable <laughs> very independent woman who uh, also has to face off against these uh, hitmen so I this was a surprise for me I really wasn't sure what to expect it hadn't really built up much hype ahead of it, I mean partly because of COVID partly no one's had a chance to see it yet uh, this was obviously supposed to come out probably last year 
it was shot in 2019. Um, but it's an incredibly sort of tough, capable thriller with, like I said, epic action sequences, thanks to the Montanan countryside, uh, but also some really strong, very well-observed characters, both male, female, and adolescent. The kid, for once, is not annoying. Brilliant. The kid at the centre of all of this. So, yeah, I really liked it. I was quite surprised how much I did. And that's Those Who Wish Me Dead, and that is out now. Moving on. Wonderful. We've got a few minutes left, so let me see if anybody said hello to you. Oh, we've got a couple here. Shall we read them out? Uh-huh. Uh, Greg. Yeah, go on then. Greg, did Marshy get round to seeing Seaspiracy? Bet you didn't. Not yet. I was going to watch it this morning, and then no, I had an ad hoc assignment. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Called get, I was. Getting up and I making was. coffee. You know. And uh, Mike. Mike says, hi, James. At the back end of last year, there were adverts for a new Agatha Christie feature. You thought it might mm. come out before Christmas, but uh, COVID, I think, put pay to that. Any update when we might see it? Yeah, I mean, that's Death on the Nile, uh, which, you know, Kenneth Branagh doing Poirot again. Um, big cast, including Gal Gadot. Uh, one question mark over it is that it had Army Hammer in a big uh, central role, and now he's a bit sort of persona non grata <laughs> after some uh, rather rather forceful uh, sexual harassment allegations ag- held against him so I don't know how that's going to uh, affect the outcome of the film mm. uh, but yes it was something that was going to come out I think Christmas time like you said but then COVID, COVID, COVID so we shall see, I mean we are seeing glimmers of the sort of coming out the other end of COVID I mean Fast and Furious 9 which was one of the first films to be delayed last year supposed to come out last April and it was the first film if I remember rightly that they said you know what we're just going to wait a whole year yeah. that is now on the books to come out again in Hong Kong before anywhere else it's coming out a week on Wednesday on the 19th on the public holiday then yeah. uh, so look forward to that we've also got Quiet Place 2 now has a release date Black Widow now has a release date, so they are slowly, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yep. They're not here yet, fingers crossed, but it looks like things are starting to open up again. Well, seeing as we've been living on Netflix for the past few months, I think it's a fair question if I was to say to you, have you seen John Malkovich as, as Poirot? <clears throat> yes, I have. That was in the ABC Murders. Yeah. I believe in the before times, I watched that on a flight. It was awesome. It the was, guy's a genius. It was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, he, that w- it made me rethink Agatha Christie because you think of the mousetrap and one of my friends always says, oh, Agatha Christie is always the first person who jumps out of the French windows. It's not, by the way. Um, and you think, oh, it's a bit cobwebs and stuff. But that mm. is a seriously mm. sophisticated plot. Just saying. The ABC murders. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned the mousetrap and that, of course, was another casualty of COVID. You know, the lo- longest running play in the world ever, 65 years, playing in uh, the West End and then shut down because of COVID. Well, the rumour is, you know what I'm going to say, don't mm-hmm. you? People were... Those pe- reopening? No, people, people were jumping, you know, how come it's so full when it first opened? The rumour is Agatha Christie bought the theatre out for the first quite a few weeks. And so it looked like it was just heaving with people. She papered it big time. I don't know if it's true or not. Sure, but, you know, it obviously worked. No, no people. kidding, because we're still talking about it. I don't know, yeah. 65 years later, we yeah. Could, we yeah, could go on about the mouse okay. I mean, act one, fine. Mm. Do we really have to come back after the interval? Sure, you need to find out who did it. Wow, come on, you've pretty much made up your mind by then. Was it the butler? Is it one of those? Is that where the butler did it came I'm into really it? happy uh, to tell you right now that I can't remember because... No, I can't remember. Uh, Anyway, uh, what's our final film today? Okay, well, let's very quickly talk about Food Luck, a Japanese film with the worst 
uh, pun title ever because it doesn't work. It's obviously a pun on good luck, but uh-huh. food and good may be, may be spelt similarly, but they are not pronounced. They're not homonyms. Um, so it's it, essentially what it's about is a couple of food critics who are doing a tour of Tokyo to find the best yakiniku. Yeah, Yakiniki or Yakiniku. Yakiniku restaurants. That. Which is um, Japanese barbecue, specifically beef. Uh, And they're going sort of off the beaten track, Mm -hmm. not looking at like the places that are in all the the sort of uh, restaurant guides, but they're trying to really find the best. And helping them do that is uh, is your main man, Yoshito. Now he's he's a critic, but he's a bit of a loose cannon. Says what says what he what he feels. Uh, regardless of the consequences, and that has upset and many a many a chef and restaurateur over the years. Uh, he his um, his plan is put on hold when his mother mm. is admitted into hospital. His estranged mother is admitted into hospital with terminal cancer. This is a Japanese movie, after all. Somebody has to be dying. Um, they have become estranged ever since uh, he was an adolescent. She used to run a yakiniki restaurant and was really rather good at it. That had to close down due to a scandal many years ago. She's now on her deathbed. He refuses to go and see her because of plot reasons. Mm -hmm. And so he continues while his partner in crime, this girl, his editor, she maintains a sort of relationship by going and visiting with the mother. And over the course of their journey through all of these restaurants, he comes to understand who his mother really was and her influence that she had on the restaurant scene and the yakuniku scene and the um not only in the preparation but just in the attitude towards and the love that you need to pour into the creation of food so this is one of those very very typical japanese movies where essentially what it's all about is championing traditional homespun philosophies and practices over these newfangled technological advances of those kids today mm. uh which really is sort of a chip on the shoulder of almost every Japanese movie. And they've thrown in a bit of sort of terminal illness just to put a clock on the action. You know, mother's time is running out, so if they're going to reconcile, they've got to get on with it. But for, first and foremost, this is food porn of the highest order. <laughs> I mean, if you go into this even remotely hungry, you're going to be in agony by the end. I have never seen so much grilled beef and offal on display here and i mean it looks absolutely fantastic you can practically taste it coming off the stop. screen uh, so it's quarter to one hmm? for goodness sake stop <laughs> go eat it's lunchtime <laughs> uh so it's actually it's not bad i mean it is what it is and uh, we've we've all you know we've heard these stories told a thousand times it's got an interesting little subplot about the responsibility that critics have and how the, the power that a critic, in this case food critics, can wield over the, um, the future prosperity of a restaurant or the career of a chef or whoever uh, needs to be held uh, and, and wielded very responsibly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know whether that's just first-time filmmaker Jaiman Terakadu pleading with critics of his film, just like, please be nice. Please, you have a lot of power. Please be nice. But but, but then saying to the viewer, well, the viewer saying to them, why do I need to know that? I'm a plumber. There you go. Well, if you are a plumber, can you fix then, my taps? Uh, uh, <laughs> then call me after the show. Yeah. I, have, I have something for you. Um, yeah. So I mean, food like it's it's uh, it's a great bit of food porn. 
particularly if you're if you like red meat i do wonder wonder about the cardiovascular health of these actors though because they do spend the entire movie eating red meat and then they wonder why somebody's on their deathbed etc etc anyway let's talk about what you've been mentioning this morning just to recap okay so that is food luck uh, there's also the very sort of ill, ill-conceived Taiwanese-Chinese uh, co-production Home Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. Far better is Those Who Wish Me Dead, new Angelina Jolie thriller. Uh, but the best film out this week is By a Mile, Another Round, which is just fantastic. Well done. I'll talk to you next week at a similar time right here on Radio 3. <laughs>